Thank you for downloading Fearless in Devotion, a podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Christ on all to the latest episode of Fearless in Devotion with Tim Edwards, Andy Gilpin, Liam Randall and me, Reese Williams. Decent week for the town, that. Three points, clean sheets. Liam, first of all, thoughts? Yeah, um, well, I predicted it wrong, but we'll get on to that later. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, from watching that performance, I think I should have backed us to win because Yeovil were absolutely dreadful. I uh, thought it could have easily been more by the end of the game, but... Um, can't can't be too uh, unhappy with a three 0 It was unreal, wasn't it? It was, it was um, pure total football, kind of like you know the first part of Gary Mills's first season esque football. <laughs> it was just really good. We looked like we were going to score at every opportunity, and, and like Liam said, I think Yeovil for me probably one of the worst teams we've played in the conference. Obviously, there's a lot of underlying things going on with, with obviously the tragedy they've had in recent times so maybe that's probably had a, a sort of longer effect on them but you know you can only be what's in front of you and we did it in such a way that was it was relentless it was brutal and it was you know it was a joy to watch and like Keith said the only criticism was we didn't score more um, but you know mm. if we keep a, a few in the tank for, for this weekend then so be it happy days and that tool at Maidenhead doesn't look too bad now, does it? After they smashed Hartlepool. What did you make of it, Andy? I didn't watch Maidenhead versus Hartlepool, so... No, sorry, I meant... What did you, <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you make of uh, the, the Wrexham game? Uh, I mean, again, Jordan Davis. I'm running out of superlatives for him. Um, I thought it was a very another good mm. good display for him. The free kick was, was excellent. But for me, he's turning into... You remember the... Earlier on in the season, everyone was saying, we need Dan Jarvis in this team. We need Dan Jarvis. Yeah. He's the creative spark. He's the guy who's going to do this. Well, we had the guy in the team all along. His name was Jordan Davis. And now Keats has found a way to make him work. He's put two midfielders behind him to do his work for him in a defensive sense. And they've said to Jordan, you get the ball, you make things happen. He's got touch. You know, he's got vision. You know, he's scoring goals. And he is light years away where he was six months ago. I can remember, um, I think he was probably one of the first games of the season away at, um, away at Solihull and Davis was bullied. He was playing a deep, deep lying midfield role. He was getting caught out all the time. He looked frustrated. He looked like he, you know, he looked like a boy in a man's game. And now mm. a couple of months later, it's completely different. And so I'm going to throw out a question now. How far do we think Jordan Davis can go? in the game. He screams championship to me in terms mm. of when you think he's the only thing he needs to do a little bit maybe is bulk up but then you see him win headers all the time. He's, he's well, how many how many headers he's scored now from a corner like three or four yeah. and he's winning he, he seems to be he doesn't mind getting stuck in the middle of the park. Just I think we just need to time down don't we now? Yeah I think that's the, that's the next thing isn't it? A nice three year deal would really show our intent. Well, earlier on on Twitter, my my dear friend Tommy Win Lewis, aka Tommy Kaus, podcaster extraordinaire. He's on a uh, podcast. Going to say, is there, yeah, is, he, is there a podcast he hasn't been <laughs> well, on yet? Yeah, yeah, when, are we, when is he coming on here? Come yeah, on, Tommy, was, yeah. get on here. Um, he, he <laughs> no, we, we don't want him. We don't want Tommy Kaus. <laughs> he said, if we don't go up this season, um, then we lose 
Jordan Davis. I'm not so sure. I don't agree with him. No, I, I, don't I, so. I, I think he's enjoying his football. And I, I think, I don't think he got his fingers burnt by the Brighton experience, but he would have learned a lot. And I think he's sensible enough to realise that if he was to jump again and it doesn't work out, is it therefore two steps back? So I think irrespective of whether we're in League Two or the National League next season, I think he'll stay with us. What's he in a two and a half year deal, I think? So he's, I think mm. he'll fulfil it. We're, we're not in a position where we need to sell our prized assets for the first time ever, I think. So So I think that there's that to take into consideration. And yeah, I think he's enjoying being the... Um, the star attraction at the moment and, and long may it continue. You know, it's, it's, it's cliched, isn't it? But you do have to build your team around players like him. Just really decent to see a, a local lad done good. I was scratching my head trying to think, when was the last time that we had a young player from the area really tear it up like that? I would probably... Mark, Jones. Maybe. Mark, yeah. Jones, Mark yeah. Jones, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's going back, what, how long now? 15 years, maybe? I mean, you know, there was a there was there was a case for Rob Evans before it fizzled out, didn't it? it didn't exactly yeah. set the world on fire. Um, yeah, there was there was a murmurings that he could have gone to Tramit. It didn't happen. He ends up going to Billericay and what Warrington now. So, um, but a bit of a shame to see how, how that fizzled out. But yeah, I think for for pure prowess and sheer talent, it's got to be Jonah, isn't it? Yeah, it it does mean it does. I know it sounds daft, but it does mean more as well when you see a young player like that who's from the area. And you can see the enjoyment in his face as well when he scores. It does mean that bit extra, it feels like to me. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, moving on now, we've been blown away by the reaction to the fanzine, haven't we, Tim? Um, I think we've all been a bit taken aback, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. It's been, uh, we were kind of, we never quite knew how people might react because, you know, your, your traditional way of selling fanzines at the corners of the ground, waving them in the air, getting people as they go past on the way to the game or the pub or whatever. So we didn't really know what sort of, what the uptake would be like, but it's been, I think it's surpassed everybody's expectations. And, um, you know, we're delighted with it, aren't we? Because it's, we feel that, it, that we've produced something really, really, really well, well, really nice in, in a very short time frame. And I think that's been, um, that that's you know, the, the reaction it's had seems to kind of emphasize what we've done in regards to that. So absolutely overjoyed. Um, and you know, it, the good thing is that now the foundations and the groundwork's there for, for, for issue two, I think it, it would look that there's a bit of a demand for a fanzine. And, and so far all the, uh, all, all the sort of feedback we've had has been universally praising it so happy days so thanks to everybody who's bought a copy and um, there's there's not many left and there's no grand plans at the moment to do a, a second run so if you haven't got it um i would suggest you do so fearless.wales to get it online and there's a few available in the turf fat ball wrexham trainer revival probably wrexham lager this week as well wrexham lager shop um, and a couple more places bank street social so yeah get yours while they're still hot yeah, thank you very much for all uh, all your feedback. And thank you for buying it, first of all. We really appreciate it. It's it's a labour of love, isn't it? We're not exactly making money out of it, but... Uh, I've just, hang on, I've just ordered a solid gold rocket car. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we really do appreciate it. And keep your uh, feedback coming in about the podcast and the fanzine as well to fearlessindevotion at gmail.com or just uh, follow the Fearless and Devotion Twitter account and uh, contact us that way. Uh, Andy, now- Andy, Andy's actually ordered a bust of Mickey Thomas's head to go outside of Gilpin Towers down in London because, you know, we all know how much Andy loves Mickey, so I think that's probably where the money's gone. 
Um, no, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would buy that. And but do I have it with hair or <laughs> do I have it with hair or, or not hair? I mean, both would... one one for each pillar of your gate. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, keep your feedback coming in. But now it's time for uh, History Only Tells a Story, where each week we take a look back through the archives and pick out our favourite Wrexham-related clips. Mr Gilpin, you're up this week. What have you got for us? Um, I like a good shithousing goal. So I've gone back to 2002-2003 season and Russian and Diamonds, probably the best team in the league. They come to the race course trying to, uh, trying to really put a lead at the top of the table and they're on the attack. And they're thinking, oh, we could do something here. Within about 40 seconds, they've conceded. Two of probably the most talented players I can remember at the, uh, at the race course and a real, real goal poacher. We've got one of them on the pod. Sedwitz locks the danger. He's spotted a good ball out to the far side to Lee Trundle. A good cross in. Oh, and Andy Morrell spied the ball home. Super header. It's now 3-0. Not a bad goal, that. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Andy Morrell. How are you doing? Very, very well, thank you. Thanks for having me, chaps. No, thanks very much for coming. I mean, it's great to talk to you. First manager we've had on the pod. Oh, blimey. No pressure. <laughs> so we want all the dressing room secrets, please. <laughs> no, no comment. <laughs> so firstly, can I take you back to the start of that season? Um, obviously, you'd been at Wrexham for, I think, probably one or two seasons. Um, you'd scored probably two league goals the season before. That season, all hell broke loose. What changed? Was there something in the start of the season? Did, did something click with you? Was it dropping down a league? Was it Trundle? What, what really changed to, to, to sort of develop the season that you had? Yeah, a bit of all of that, I have to say. Definitely relegation. Falconbridge leaving because it, it, it freed up a spot, if you like, without the wages. And, uh, and he basically said that, Dennis Smith, like, you know, you can be one of my four. You, Hector, Sam, Lee, Jones and Truns, you know, you're going to be one of the four. Go and do it. And pre-season was okay. Uh, the best thing that ever happened to me was that I scored from probably eight inches in that first game um, from a, a Truns back header and we drew 1-1 away at Scunthorpe. And it just it just gave me a bit of confidence. You know what I mean? I was always that, that player that went in the team to... Kick the other striker up the ass for, for you know for a, a couple of games and then I'd be out and they'd be back in when they were fit or had, had, had sort of got their head round it. So I always felt I never felt like I was a proper first team or I was doing all right in the reserves, but I never really had that opportunity to go and have a bit of a run of games. And uh, yeah, like I said, that season it just went a little bit crazy. But that first moment of scoring just gave me a load of confidence that yeah, I've, I'm, I'm good enough to be here and, and, and stay in the shirt and, and do all right for the team. And I played, he started me in that first game, which mm. was which was a huge confidence boost again. Yeah. What was your relationship with Dennis like? Because I know you came in w- with Flynn via Joey and then Dennis came in when uh, the team was struggling a little bit. And it, I think it took him a bit of time to get the formation that really he thought that suited the team. 
Um, also, I remember the Scunthorpe game. Wayne Phillips started on the right wing back. He got injured. Carlos came in, and the rest That's is right. sort of history. But, but how did you how did you find your relationship with Dennis? Uh, yeah, he was he was great. He was honest. I, I asked him for a, a two year contract. They wanted me to stay. I asked him for a two year contract. I wasn't on a huge amount of money because of coming in the game late. I hadn't done anything in the game, and mm. I just said I just want the security of a two year. And he was like, No, we can only do a year. So I was like, right, well, I didn't have anything else, so I'll sign it. And he went, well, if you're doing all right at Christmas, you know, we'll be banging on your door. And <laughs> that, that never really oh, right. came about. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, going back to Dennis, he was, he was class. He was, he was absolutely top drawer. And um, I'd say that there was one piece of magic that he, he created on, on me as a person and a man management with me was he left me out of a, a Carling Cup game, I think it was, or one of the Cup games. Um, and I was just starting to stop scoring. I'd had an unbelievable start to the season and then I'd stopped and I'd had a few games and I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, the worry in the back of the mind was I'm, I'm out of the team now. I'm not doing what I'm doing. And he left me out and he pulled me in after the game. And I was like, you know, what, what's going on? Do you know what I mean? Why have you left me out? And he was like, just to give you a breather. The, the way you play, you just need a little break. And he went, don't worry, it's got absolutely nothing to do with you stopping scoring or anything because you're playing. With the way you play, you play, regardless of your scoring or not. Uh, and that just gave me, one, a huge confidence boost, two, a bit of a weight off my shoulder that I wasn't overly looking over my shoulder, worrying about being dropped or was I playing or whatever. He just said, you're going you're gonna to play regardless of scoring. And that was just like brilliant. And then the week after I started scoring again and like I said, the season was a bit crazy. Like It's interesting you say that because uh, we had Lee Trundle on um, early doors on the podcast and he was saying he never really felt that sort of warmth from Den- Dennis Smith that he had from Brian Flynn. Is that just because you think he was a player maybe who needed more of a an arm on the shoulder, but then it sounded like he was kind of giving you one there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because... I always felt with Flinny that I was always that one on the fringes that because of I'd come from nowhere and ended up taking a contract and for very little in that, that there was no real pressure ever to, to put me in and play me. Whereas if he brings in, I don't know, you know, Craig Falkenbridge and that type of player, then there's pressure from the fans, etc., and him that it's his player. that has got to put him in. And so because I come from nowhere, there was no pressure to play me. But when, Dennis gave me my contract. It's like, all oh, right, well, he, he fancies me as a player now. Do you know what I mean? And and I, and I got that real boost from from Dennis. Whereas, you know, Truns was the other way around. He had been yeah. paid for, brought in. They're going to play him, and then Dennis. It wasn't his player, if you like. It, yeah. But it, listen, Truns was he was rubbish, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's had a really bad career. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does go to show how important those sort of um, relationships are, though, doesn't it? I suppose as fans, maybe you don't quite get that loyalty that maybe some managers have with certain players and maybe maybe it can distort team selection sometimes. Yeah, and, you know, going on the other side of it as a manager, you have your, I suppose you shouldn't have your favourites, but you sort of do because they're just reliable. You just know that they they're in there with you and they're in it with you and they're desperate to do well for you. And you're sort of like, well, no, that if that's good enough for me. Do you know what I mean? And uh, they might not be playing out their skin, but your loyalty is repaid when they, you know, come good in eventually. But you sometimes have to stick with them, you know, 
just purely because they're in the trenches with you and you know that they're going to give everything every game. What was it like for you sort of coming to Wrexham? As you said, you came into the game you know, relatively late when you first came to the club. Was it a sort of a culture shock to you? or? Well, I'd never had any full-time training before, so I never knew. I just thought, what an opportunity I've got to to go and train. You know, I I don't nobody had seen me play. I'd mentioned it to Rob McCaffrey and he had put my name in with Joey and that's the link. And he got me a week and I'm like, holy cow, what do I do now? Do you know what I mean? I've got to take a week off work. I'll, I'll go and, and see what happens. And I, I remember sat opposite Flinney in, in his office the first morning and he just went, listen, I have no idea who you are, what you've done. I've seen a little resume. Just train with the first team in the morning. There's a light session. Train with the kids this afternoon. But, if you know, if we have a look in the morning and you know good, I'll tell you. I don't want to waste your time. And it was like, ah, oh, cheers, brilliant. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, so I did okay in that. But um, I stayed for the week. I trained. I watched a, uh, one of the first team games. I just loved it. Just loved it being around. You know, proper footballers, first team football, full time football. And then, but it took probably another seven, eight months to to get my first contract off the back of it. You know, I went home and I started playing the reserve games in the week um, and I was sorting my shifts out of where I was working to get around it. And then I was driving and ended up in Derby for a cup game and stuff like that. But it was Joey really that was driving it because he was like, you know, he kept ringing me Monday. Are you okay? Would you, will you play on Wednesday for us? And it sort of went through to the end of the season. And then they, they sort of said, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, can I come for a month or something? Do you know what I mean? Can I have a proper couple of weeks trial, you know, at it in pre And he was like, well, come for a month, come for t- a month's pre-season if you can get it off work. So I took a month off work and that was when huh, Robin Gibson smashed my cheekbone and I fractured <laughs> my cheekbone the second day. Um, so that was me straight back to work. Can I come back for a month? <laughs> so then another eight weeks later, I come back for a month, a month properly and, uh, and yeah, the month went well. I scored goals in the reserves. I was doing all right. I was feeling in place. I, I felt that I could compete, especially not just with the first teamers, but the lads that were sort of my level, that were second year, Steve Cooper's, that type that were like first, second year pros. That was what I was probably classed as, but I, I was three or four years older than them. And um, and yeah, the month went by and, and Flinny had me in the office and said, what do you what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, can I stay for another month? And he's like, well, yeah, but you've obviously got your job that you need to sort. And I'm like, I'll, I'll just quit. I'm out. I'll get out. If I can have another month, I'll, I'll get out of it. And I'll just give this a go. Like, you know, I'd rather have this opportunity and not look back and oh, I was working in the gym or whatever. And um, so he said a month and then two weeks into that, he'd offered me a contract at the end of the season. I think he just wanted to see that it was it was on my terms not his he didn't make me leave work do you know what I mean it was me wanting it that right. desperately mm. I suppose that that um two weeks in he he decided to give me it obviously wasn't a massive contract but it it was I'm a professional footballer now and that's what I've been working for you know what I mean do you think he rewarded that's, your uh, hunger Andy I think so I think he could see that I was desperate I'm absolutely I'd work my socks off I'd do anything I possibly could to have that opportunity and I think he saw that in me I think that's what comes out when I play the game you know is that that hard work and that work ethic and um I think he sort of saw that and it, you know it has to be said that 
Joey was right behind me. Do you know what I mean? Joey was buzzing. He loved me. I got on really well with Joey. I liked him a lot. He was massive to the first one or two years um, of playing at Wrexham and, and I can't thank him enough, but uh, he was a big advocate for me and he was uh, he was great when I was there. So I think he certainly helped that decision process. And could you see yourself getting better over the, like, like you had a month where you were training first team and playing reserve games. Could you see improvements in your game? Yeah, that that for me was one of my best assets, I think, was that I was able to take on information and, and, and put it into practice fairly quickly. I was fa- a fairly quick learner. Uh, I'd been to university, done all that sort of thing. That doesn't necessarily mean you're a quick learner on the football pitch, but mm. I was able to pick up things and Kev Reeves was great and a bit of rushy in there as well. Do you know what I mean? It was a... Uh, it was really helpful. I, could, oh, just, I was just like a sponge at that time. I just wanted to learn and just do as much as I possibly could. And, you know, they're telling me, stop running about so much. You, you're an idiot. You know, you need to save your energy. Don't run that much. And I'm like, but I'm not that great at football. I'm going to just leg it. And that's my game. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's, what, that's what I just took. And, and I ran and I ran. And, and that, was, uh, that was how it worked out. And, but exactly that, I just kept learning and learning. And I felt like I was getting better and better. And I was just... For me, I was probably six years behind where I, I probably should have been learning, you know, properly. But um, at least I got that opportunity because uh, I'm forever grateful to Flynn for giving it me. Andy, just um, you just touched on um, Ian Rush there. Um, any Wrexham fan who, who was around at the time will, will look back and see that as a potential kind of failed experiment because he was approaching the sort of twilight years of his career. He came out a go and left without having scored a goal, but just. Just take us a bit behind the scenes there, because clearly you must have learned a lot from somebody who'd been there, done it at the top level, despite him coming to us in his sort of later years. What what sort of did he give you any sort of specific piece of good advice that stuck with you? Just take us through what impact he had on you. Well, when when I heard the news he was coming in, I I was proper buzzing because, well. Halfly because I knew that he would probably take me space, you know, playing in the team for one. But <laughs> the other bit is that I'm going to be around somebody that that is that good that you can only learn off. You can't do anything else. But yeah, I'd say his wreck some time. It wasn't particularly um, brilliant for him, but he, in training, all that type of things, and he was around it. He took a couple of little bits of sessions and stuff, and I just there was some. There were some five-a-sides that we played because we played a lot of five-a-sides with Flynn. He was, he was very good at little small-sided games. He'd, just, he'd be scoring and scoring and scoring and he'd just be relentless with it. And his finishing was just, even at his ripe old age, you could say, he was just lethal every time. He, it just, and you're like, I've got to get so much better. You know, I'm needing four, five, six chances in a game to take one. And he's in this five-a-side just bang, bang, constantly bang. And you're like, holy, I've got to, be, I've got to just got to get better. And so you pick little bits from him. He was talking about certain little things that he probably didn't see as coaching. But I was just like, like I said, a sponge just waiting for any little nugget to take on and, and try and, and, and take it on board and put it into my game. But I was, you know, I was also with Jake Edwards, who was sort of in a similar boat to me. But I took bits out of his game. I was taking bits out of Carl Connolly's game that I was this, this close to them in training and watching them that, I'd never seen it before. Do you know what I mean? Because I was always the best. I was the best striker at where I was, or I was wherever I was playing. But that level of player, I'd never seen it. So I was just willing to watch them. You know, Jake had this little turn. He let it go across under his body, and he used to chop it back onto his other foot and hit. 
And I'm like, right, I'm having a good bit of that because it always worked. I'm having, a, I'm working it. And I ended up scoring in a resi game with it. I'm like, hey, it actually does work, that. But that's <laughs> the type of thing I'm, I'm thinking, you know, all the time when I'm training is just what can I take on board to make myself a better player? And then that, that leads us into the um, 2002, 2003 season, the uh, prolific season. I think, was it 34 goals in 45 off the top of my head? That's right. That's bang on. Well played. Well done. Andy's got that on a poster somewhere. Yeah, good job. I've got <laughs> yes. that research right. So that made you top yeah. scorer in the top four divisions. Just take me through the kind of mentality any player would need to be that prolific in front of goal. Because I'm guessing when momentum builds and you start hitting the net and then becomes a regular thing and a regular thing. So I think Truns was, was more the provider that season. If yeah, I think he was. So just, just take he's, me he's still take through that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just curious in, yeah. in, in terms of a mindset of, of any striker who can hit almost 50 goals in a season and to do it regularly and repeatedly mm. um, and carry that pressure. How does one go about doing that? Well, I'd done it in non-league, but I hadn't got anywhere near it the two, three seasons before it. And it it was just purely confidence to start with. I got the one at Scunthorpe and then I think I was something like eight, seven, eight goals in a week when we played Exeter and Swansea. You know, I ate a hat-trick against Exeter, two against Swansea or whatever it was. And I was just absolutely, I just felt that every time it was coming in the box, it's coming to me. But also, we had a bloody good team, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it, that helps. Do you know what I mean? Because we had yeah. Darren Ferguson, Jim Whitley, Carlos Edwards, Dennis Lawrence, Brian Carey. You know, you could go through the whole team and just go, they were, they were brilliant. Do you know what I mean? And and they just put things, Trons put them on a plate for me. You know, when he wasn't doing it, Carlos Edwards was providing. Paul Edwards on the other side was mm. doing whatever he does with his left foot because he didn't have a right foot. But <laughs> he, he was just, you know what I mean? But these lads were just creating chance after chance for us. And if you thought, I'm putting myself in the box and I'm putting myself in between the posts, more than likely I'm going to get a chance every game. And that's that, that, that's what I decided to do. And it went from the first game, confidence, and then right, it just carried on. I had had blip of about eight games in the middle as well where I didn't score and and that was when Dennis pulled me in that, and I got I scored a near post one against Bournemouth that got me back off the off the mark, and uh, it just again it just didn't stop from then. And uh, it is purely confidence and belief that yeah I'm going to score today. It was just I think it's just fully that, and it can soon go like that. Even when you score it, it can just disappear, and and that's why you get so frustrated with these strikers. You know, strikers scored. 20 goals at a club and you sign him for big money and he comes in and he scores three or four and you think, what's that? What, what's happened there? What's the difference? And it is just purely, it might be two or three games where his confidence just has dropped because he hasn't scored straight away to get him off the mark and mm. it's really hard to get your confidence back up and, and get going again. Trundle um, said that, you know, I can't remember the exact words he said, but he basically said he he knew that if he stuck it sort of near the near post or by the six yard box, or if he had a, a vision of where he wanted to put it, he knew that you'd get your toe to it somehow. Is that how the relationship felt? For me, it was yin and yang with him because he was, um, he just wanted the ball on his own on you know, and we had to deal with nothing. You know, we needed another ball thrown on the pitch at times with him. And uh, <laughs> he, he was one of those, but he just loved it into feet. He wanted to do his tricks. He wanted to, show how good he was and, and create stuff. And that he was brilliant at that. 
and that just complimented me where I just wanted to run. Let me run in behind. I'll keep running in behind. That'll create the space for Truns to get on the ball. He can go and do his stuff. And then from that, I'll just make sure that I'm in between the posts and, and hopefully he'll either chip the keeper like he did every game or he'll, uh, <laughs> he'll put it on a, a sixpence for me to head it or tap it in at the back post. And, and that's just the way that we, we worked. And it just sort of really clicked right from when he came in. We played a couple of resi games and we did all right out the back of it. And you could just sense something was coming. And, uh, and yeah, he was, he was great that year, you know, uh, uh, both keeping the ball and, 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 and creating chances and scoring himself as well. He'd scored brilliant goals, didn't he? You know, that, that hat-trick at Oxford, it was a joke. Do you know what I mean? And then we lost you both uh, <laughs> straight away. <laughs> we've, 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 heard the, we've heard Lee's story. What's, what's yours? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Lee's was obviously... Um, he, his, his departure was a little bit harder to take, I think, because he went down a division and, and, and to Swansea... Uh, you know, a local Welsh rival or whatever. Whereas me going up a couple of leagues to a, for me, a massive club at Coventry, I think everybody just sort of said, ah, yeah, fair play. You know, he's done well for us. He's, he stayed here and off you go. I, I, like I said, my contract was one year and at Christmas I was on something like, I'd have been on about 17, 18 goals in 24, five appearances or whatever. And, if that's not good enough to earn yourself another deal, I don't, you know, I don't know what is, but there was very little communication. Nothing really happened with the club. And at that point, I'm just like, I'm 28, something like that. I'm late on getting on in terms of footballers and stuff. I'm like, if I'm ever going to go and play at a, at a decent level, um, I've got to get off the back of this when I'm doing really well. You know, I'm only going to get this one chance sort of thing. So I'll take the, I'll take the risk that I might get injured the rest of the season, but because there wasn't an offer on the table, I, I, I didn't really have a choice. I was just like, right, I'm just going to keep playing, keep me head down, I'll do as well as I can. And at the end of the season, we'll see where we're at. And it was about a month, well, probably just when we got promoted, actually, that an offer came from from Wrexham. And I'd already made my mind up sort of thing. I'd had a bit of interest, not massive loads, but a bit of interest. And I just thought, if I'm going to go, and it was a couple of championship clubs, I've, I've got to go off the back of this. Do you know what I mean? And unfortunately, they couldn't, Wrexham couldn't match it. But it wasn't even that. I'd have took less money just to have a go at the championship, I think. And uh, so I just thought I'd give it a go. And Coventry's like massive, just outside, just out of the Prem a couple of years before and that. And mm. I just simply, I just couldn't turn it down. It was back to where I, I grew up and I could go back to sort of home. And it just it ticked so many boxes that. Unfortunately, Wrexham just couldn't match it or meet it. It's sort of a, too much of a decent um, opportunity to turn down, really, isn't it? And I think I feel like fans understood it. Um, so I didn't begrudge you moving. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but you, you, I think when you when you came back though as well, you could probably tell that you know there was still that warmth there from the fans. I think when you came back second time round. Well, that that was the. The, the big worry for me, like I, I had the phone call. I had an offer from from Berry for another year, and uh, I had Dino pestering the life out of me over the summer. It was ridiculous. <laughs> we like... need to get onto Dean Saunders soon. Not for your biscuits at his house, did you? <laughs> <laughs> but he was he was absolutely incessant with it, like just on all the time, all the time. And when he got here. It was like your half an hour call and stuff like that. And he was relentless. But uh, I was just like, I just, 
I can't do what I did again. Do you know what I mean? And expectation would be that I'd go back and score 35 goals again in the league and it would be fine. And I just knew that that just, that was a, a crazy season and one that will never probably be repeated by me. So I just thought it's expectation. I don't know if I'll, I'll be able to do that or whatever. And maybe I, you should never go back sort of thing. But then, you know, Barry started getting a little bit cold on me and Dino said, we'll, we'll go a two year deal. And I wasn't a spring chicken then and I just felt that the security of it uh, was was too good to turn down and I, I love my time at Wrexham do you know what I mean and the people were, were, were brilliant with me and I thought well I have already got a relationship I haven't got to earn that yet and they might give me a little bit more time if things don't start off too great because they know what I am capable of so the decision was made and um, yeah I just thought sod it I'm, I'm going to have another go at it I was just going to say as well before then, in terms of, did you play against um, Lee Trundle? Uh, was it Coventry against Swansea? And I, I tell you why I'm bringing it up because it was the day. It was the day that we, um, when we stayed up against Boston, the Boston game. Didn't you score four goals at the Liberty? Because all my, you may have noticed that I'm a, I don't have a Rexamax, I'm a Swansea Jack. So all my mates were there, and they, I think you scored four goals, didn't you? Yeah, it's Blackpool. It was Blackpool. Blackpool, yeah, we, that's uh, it. Sorry. That's it, yeah. So we went down there on the last day of the season. They needed to, Swansea needed to win to get into the playoffs and we needed to win to have a chance of getting automatic. And uh, and yeah, I, Trun's Mr. Penn. And, uh, did he? Scored. Yeah. And he didn't that mention was, uh, that, did he? He didn't mention <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that was to put it 3-1 to them. And yeah, we ended up winning 6-3, six, six, I think it was in the end. And uh, yeah, I happened to score four. We had we had Joe Hart in goal that day. Did oh he? wow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Save the pen. <laughs> no, he hit the post. All right. <laughs> Never let he, a left footer take a pen. No man. No. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Trans would say that he beat the keeper. That's all. That's all you need to know. That's well, all you need well, to we, know. Well, we didn't get automatic. We ended up going up through the playoffs. But um, right. yeah, it was a tough one because obviously I was good friends with Truns and that and Dennis Lawrence was playing as well, well to be fair. Uh, oh. and uh mm. yeah the in the in the bar afterwards you you're ecstatic that you've got in the playoffs and you you're gonna have a, a little run at getting promoted but it was also a little bit of a sour one with with the two boys that were they were devastated like that they hadn't just nicked in at the end. But yeah. uh, that's football unfortunately. Yeah one is six foot seven as well so <laughs> <laughs> Time now for some quick-fire questions for Andy on his two spells at Wrexham. Who is the most skillful? It would be probably Fowles or Glenn Little. All right. Both of them were incredible with the football, as in first touch, never couldn't get it off him. You know, when they there were little five-a-sides where they just played between themselves they just had a like a little giggle up just running around people playing one twos and all that sort of stuff they were yeah as in a dribbler and skillful yeah they they weren't exactly that but they were just so for me poetic with the ball like they just their touch they were always thinking a, a next pass and what was going on next whereas when the ball's coming to me I'm right I've got to control this now what am I going to do with it it was they'd already doing it you know they're touch and pay and, and yeah. especially when Fowles was, was in his pomp and fit and had his head screwed on it he the, the both of them were, were a joy to play with like 
Yeah, I, I know uh, Liam loves Glenn Fowler. Sorry, Glenn Fowler. I've just combined the both. <laughs> Glenn Fowler. I've just made a great player. <laughs> what a player he, he would have been. <laughs> Glenn Fowler. <laughs> right. We need to find somebody who's going to splice those two faces. Together. Oh, Lee Little is not as good though. Get out. There's got to be an ass. Pauline Fowler's son, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. All right, let's quickly move along from my, my balls up. Who was the worst dressed? Uh, say Hector Sam or Yossi. <laughs> uh, Hector Sam, oh, going back. Oh, yeah. blimey, yeah. I'm thinking last time, yeah, early on. You see, I would put myself in a dreadfully dressed professional footballer. You know, all I had was a gap jumper. That was about me. And you look like a prize fighter tonight. Oh, my... <laughs> got yeah, my big extra <laughs> yeah. large hoodie. Yeah, it's uh, but uh, yeah, it, one of them. It going yeah, the boys there. Then oh, they were bad dressers, weren't they? Them pair, you know, Dennis and Hector and Carlos. They wore some real rascal gear. So I think yeah, you're right. You've <laughs> you've thrown one out there. So I'm going. I'm going Hector Sam. His jeans used to be massive. I used to get about three people in them. <laughs> Right, like down each leg. So let's, let's go, Hector. Who was the biggest moaner? Um, Fergie was. Yeah, he was. He loved a moan. That's all the time. He was moaning yeah. about something. Um, Neil Ashton definitely right in there as well. He's come up before as well. Yeah, yeah. He would moan about anything. Fergie was just driven to do well. He was just desperate to do well. So his moaning would be. More game way, Ashley would just moan about everything, you know, food and cups of tea, and that you just, ah, oh, just cheer up, mate. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but just sort There's of sometimes no out. pleasing scousers, is there? <laughs> there no. isn't, no. Um, who was the tightest with money? Oh, dear, dear. Um, I don't know, I'm, I don't really go out. Right. <laughs> so, uh, no, I, I, I don't know. They were all right. There wasn't anybody that stood out, really. Um, but, you were uh, on that yeah, Aberystwyth trip that Fowler was uh, mentioning. Yeah, I was, yeah. And so he come on, a lot tell out, us the stuff. Way. Tell us the stuff. That... <laughs> he left a lot out. <laughs> <laughs> right. After we I, stop I, reco- I don't know if I can. When, no, 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 it's stop, fine. Stop no, recording, I'll tell yeah. you. All right. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have a bit afterwards. <laughs> Yeah. And finally, who is the most underrated player? Both spells, someone who didn't really get the plaudits. That's a great question, that. That is a great question. I, Carlos Edwards was amazing. And I know he got a fair bit of plaudits, but he was a, a winger turned into a, a wing back. But he was just beautiful to watch, you know, just so graceful. And like you'd be legging it, running so hard. And he would be like going past you, like not even trying because of his technique. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he just flowed. Do you know what I mean? Even running with the ball, he was so graceful. Um, And he's obviously gone on to do brilliant, brilliant things and had an unbelievable career. Like, so Mm. him for me, you know, he he was brilliant for Wrexham, but he'd gone on and done great. And I'd put him right in there as a. Was he ever a right back? No. Oh, Andy, help me out. You've been done. <laughs> he was a wing back, wasn't he? He never played yeah. right back, I don't think. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, he's but we're just going, we're just, oh, Andy had to, he's a, he's a, oh, 
I, I, you know, I'm the one who edits this podcast, so I'm just going to edit that. It's fine. <laughs> but I, going back to me, old the Jim Whitley's, you know, in that first spell. Thank you. Yeah, yes. was brilliant. He was great. He was fantastic me. and just went along. You know, but we had Ozzy and Paul Barrett played probably 35 games that season and unsung. Dan Bennett. Um, I love Dan Bennett. I thought Dan Bennett was a classy centre off. Brilliant. Brilliant. I'm still mate. EA's yeah, back in Singapore. There's a quiz question for you as well. Most capped. International. Uh, most capped international, yeah, English person. And right. you normally go with whoever's is it Rooney or whoever's got it now. But well, you'd go somewhere uh, English, really, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> but he's both, isn't he? He's got sort of he's both, but yeah. But he's what a what a guy as well. And um yeah, yeah. I thought he was great in the season that we got promoted yeah, by the right hand side, right footed. Mm. And he read the game really well. Him Bride just kept him under wraps and you know, he, he, he was part of a really good team that we had. Can we talk about Dean Saunders? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because no. this is a running theme. Like, <laughs> how batshit is Dean Saunders? <laughs> right. I, uh, I, I bloody loved him. I really yeah. did. Just so enthusiastic so into his football like that it was just infectious you know and like uh i think it was who was it that signed and he was de-icing the astroturf do you know what i mean to try and get <laughs> a, a little five-a-side pitch to play mm. and you're like you know that's your manager shoveling snow into the boot of a van to take it off the astro and he was just we'll if we're training the others aren't so we're getting ahead of the others do you know what i mean it was one wow. But um, he, I, he was brilliant. He sold it to me. Um, he was desperate for somebody to come in and look after, in a way, the the young lads, the scissors, the Curtis Obengs of the squad that were sat on their own table at lunch. But he was like, I want them to sit with Gaz Taylor and I want them to sit with you so that the way you deal with yourself and the way that you prepare and and look after yourself they can see that right from the word go and so it was important that we we got into the young lads a little bit and and just tried to steer them in the right direction and mm-hmm. and it worked a treat do you know what I mean the likes of Keatsy coming in and and Westy and, and that type it was you know we just had some really really solid pros and and a and a really good team as well it does um, seem that level of detail with Saunders doesn't it he sort of thinks about the stuff that you wouldn't think anyone would. Yeah. But he was he was relentless with shape that we were playing. He was the first real manager I had had right the way through the career that was Dennis Smith was to be. We did a Thursday every week that was shape. But De- but Dino was a different level. It was everything was shape and this is how we're going to play and this is where you are when the ball's here and stuff. And we were just, yeah, the first season wasn't wasn't amazing. You know, we were very mixed and up and down and stuff. But mm. the, the the season that he ended up leaving, the first ten games, we were just nailed on that we were we were going to do yeah, yeah, well because yeah. he had added good quality and players that were were really good for the level and um, and the lads just were bang on their on their jobs and what we were going to do because we'd had a year at it to start with. So and it had taken him time as well. You know, he's come from Newcastle or wherever he came from. It took him you know a couple of years to understand the level and understand the players mentality because it's just it's not the same as a as a championship players mentality down in those lower leagues you want it to be as professional as you can but 
the finances simply aren't there to do that and, and to back that up. And so you end up trying to be as professional as you can as on as cheap a shoestring budget as you, as you possibly can. And it's, it's just not the same. Do you know what I mean? And he had to, yeah, yeah. he had to understand that, that the lads that were coming in weren't as good as him as a player and, and couldn't do what he would do. But he used to come up with some amazing stats, you know, during the game and stuff. We've had 422 corners already this season and, <laughs> you know, scored two. And you're like, what? Have we? Yeah. No, we, we can't have had 400 corners. <laughs> Do you, know I mean? you think he is. just, he just, he just, they just, he just made them up or do you think he I did think, have? Yeah. yeah, we couldn't prove him wrong. Do you know what I mean? Because no, okay. you don't have a I'm stat man, go, do you? No, and I'm not going back through all the games to count. <laughs> but he would come up with his, he had a, a Friday, we had an old V Young, he'd always play and uh, the banter was brilliant. He used to have a little team talk after the after the game of your mark out of 10 and why you were so bad playing and he would always get a nine and was man of the match and stuff. And he brought in like really old pairs of shoes and out of date beers as like the best goal of the day and stuff like that. And he'd give it to the lads like this really old telly and stuff and you'd get it for the best goal of the day. Really. That is a level of detail. <laughs> <laughs> really random stuff. But, um, it, and again, it just got the lads chirping and it got us all sat together up having lunch after training and, the togetherness was was there for all to see. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. He sounds like a motivator. Yeah, and I th- I think probably, you know, that's off the back of him being an assistant manager first. You know, because that's your job is the one to get him going as assistant manager. But when you turn to manager, you sort of have, you sort of got to take a role where you're more a bit more serious and a bit more. But he didn't. Bry was the serious one, um, mm. and and Dino was still the one that was. Um, having the fun and the laugh and the jokes really when but it took the edge off you know the the pressure on Wrexham to get promoted at that time because the budget was half decent do you know what I mean and mm. they were having a bit of a go it, there, was, there was a big pressure on it and so that light-hearted mentality but the work ethic that he had he couldn't help just follow and, and, and have a bit of a go and try and do do our best you know when he left how did it sort of come about that you took the job was it always nailed on that you you were sort of seen within the players as the person to, to to take it on or did it come as a complete surprise to you yeah absolutely not right <laughs> it was um no i was the oldest gaz taylor had pretty much left about maybe a month before right um mm. and so i think he would have been napped to get it ahead of me just because he had a better relationship with dino etc um but he'd left and gone i think he went to I don't know if we carried on playing or we went to Man City. I can't remember, but yeah, I was the oldest one, uh, and it was. Uh, I had a phone call from my brother, and I was I was I was driving down from Preston. That's that was my uh, commute, and my uh, my brother phoned me at about half about quarter to eight in the morning, saying your manager's gone to Donny, and I was like, yeah, good one. He says no, that his lad had seen it on Sky Sports that he'd gone, and I'm like, right. And then literally straight after, I'd had a phone call from Bry saying, listen, Dino's gone to Donny. Um, I've thrown your name in to be caretaker for a couple of games. Would you be interested? And I'm like, right, OK, I'm, I'm on my way in. I'll be half an hour. I'll have a think about it sort <laughs> of thing. And, uh, and I just, yeah, phoned me misses and stuff. And it was basically, I, I met Jeff Moss and he said, it's just for three games. You know, we've been, it was a Monday morning. We had a game on the Tuesday night would you you know would you take it 
Um, and I was like, no, it wasn't. It was a, it was a Thursday or Friday, wasn't it? It was a Friday that I was traveling mm-hmm. down. Would you take it on the Saturday? Cause we had Grimsby away. Um, for three games just to give us a week's breathing space so that we can sort out what's going to go on. And I, yeah, I, because I've been at Wrexham so long and I just, I love the place. It's, it was one of those, it was a no brainer. Listen, if I can do it and I can help at all, then I'll, I'll, I'll help. Do you know what I mean? And so, so I just, I just said, yep, I'll take it for three games. Bry was there for the Saturday's game. So we got through that one and we played really well, to be fair away at Grimsby and the lads were brilliant. Um, I think Foul scored a, a yeah, goal. Yeah, I was at that uh, game. It was brilliant. Yeah, and we we yeah we performed really well, and it was the one that I was, I was playing before that, and I decided not to play myself. I, I decided to take myself out. It was just my mind and my head was absolutely spinning, so I didn't play myself. Um, but the lads were great, yeah, and they just took to it a little bit. They just they gave me everything. I said to them, just if, as long as you can give me everything, I've got three games, and we can just see how we go, and hopefully we'll we'll do all right. And then I think we got beat on the Tuesday night by Mansfield um, at home. And then we went and won on the on the Saturday. And um, obviously at this time, the fans were looking to take over from Jeff and it was becoming a little bit... Um, yeah, a bit toxic. Yeah, yeah. And a bit like head, head to head in there. And so he just came to me and went, listen, the takeover's coming. Would you take it for the next six games? Because we'd obviously won two and drawn one. Uh, lost one would you would you take it for one you know nine, six more, more games it'll be nine games in total and then by then you'll have um, you know we'll be at I'll have gone the, the trust will have taken over and then they can make the decision on who's the who's going to be the next the next manager or whatever and, and you'll have helped us massively sort of thing and because the lads have been so good with me I just thought yeah sod it what, I haven't got anything to lose if you know, if if I do nine games and we lose all the six, the other six, I just go back to being a player and nothing's changed. Do you know what I mean? And and I can carry on being a being a footballer. And it, it turned out I think we I think we possibly won all six. So um, we we were flying. Do you know what I mean? And it was all created really off the back of um, the the loggerheads that was going on up above us. We were like, right, let's just get us all in our own little bubble, and we we cannot worry about that. You know. And, the lads were great, you know. We didn't get paid, and fans raised a load of money for the lads that were were struggling. And it was just become a like a a really good tight knit group that were desperate to to do well and create something despite what all the noise that was going on around it. And um, they were great with me. They've absolutely bombed that those next six games. The takeover happened, and it was pretty much I I left them with no choice. Do you know what I mean? The, you know, I'm sure, and to this day that the the trust had their own ideas of who was going to be manager when they took over because they'd have had names before they took over and all that and I put them in a position where they they simply could if they'd have got if they'd have got put me back to a, a player I think there would have been a little bit of uproar because of the way that we were going you know what I mean how was your relationship with uh, the the previous owners before the trust came in yeah Jeff was brilliant I really liked Jeff um, he had. I felt he had the club at heart. He was desperate to do well with his local team. He pumped, pumped a, a shed load of dough into the club to try and push it on. And then you had the the issue with the flats and all that type of, type of thing that it just didn't help him. And, and I think a couple of people around him uh, didn't help him at all as well. And um, it just ended up being, like you said, toxic at coming towards the end. And 
I felt sorry for him really because he had put so much money and he was desperate to do well, but he'd just taken it so far that it just couldn't be, it couldn't be brought back if you like. And and for, but I I really liked him. He was a genuine guy. He was nice enough with me. Um, but you know, you, you you lot will have your own opinions because uh, you, you know he was a he was running it before I got there, and you know you'll have make your own opinions of how he ran it, etc. So people make out as if it was just a case of oh well, you know Dean Saunders has done well, and then Andy's come on and just continued it. But there's got to be more to it than that. You're your own man with your own ideas. What was the transition like in terms of between taking on I guess the squad that he built, but implementing your own ideas? Yeah, well, I felt that we were of the first nine, ten games that Dino had. We, I think, we'd lost one, drawn two, and won seven. So there wasn't a great deal wrong. Do you know what I mean? And and we had a playing style that was hit the diags early on, put them under loads of pressure, pick up second balls. We were absolutely relentless in that first fifteen minutes of games, and and then see where we're at from there. And 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 I felt that I thought it, I, it was right. I thought I felt that it would win games in that league. And I felt the personnel that we had were, were very good for the league as well. Um, and so I just felt that I've, I've just got to keep this ball rolling in the same direction. I've just got to keep pushing it a little bit. And and it would be minor tweaks, if anything, that um, that we're going we're gonna to need to do. And it turned out that way. We had a, a, a little discussion about the, the fullbacks because when Dino was there, they just bombed and it sort of left Kreitz. Um, we conceded a couple of goals that I felt that, we should be conceding because it's you know both fullbacks were going at the same time and and just you know of all people Kreitz was was amazing he could edit further than he could kick it but he, you know mobility wasn't his strong point you know so he he got a little bit um, found out when he was dragged out behind Curtis if he was gone bombing on when he didn't need to and so we just made a little tweaks a couple of tweaks with that and and the lads just really took to it and I think also Dino's man management style was a little bit different to mine. I was one of the lads. And so I had to make a conscious decision whether I'm going to, right, I'm going to take myself right away and then be that one that you can't cross that line or I stay right in the middle of it and I'm right a part of it and I'm, I'm going to have to work or the lads will find that line that they can, that they can put in the sand that is they can't cross when I'm, when I'm in and around the team, etc. So I said to them right at the start, listen, if I'm playing you can hammer me as much as anybody else. You know, you've got as much right because when we're playing, but it's important for me that you are doing that as well because I've got to play well to stay in the team if I'm going to pick myself. And so I took that right from the start that uh, Billy will take the team. I'll take all the team talk before it and that if I'm playing. But when I'm playing, Billy takes it and that's not my, you know, I can have my influences at half time. I can have my influences during the, when I'm playing, but really I'm, I've got to look after myself because if I'm not playing well, I'm thinking other stuff, then then that's not what we want. But I wanted to continue playing because <laughs> management's a fickle game and you can soon get binned off and that. And uh, I needed to be doing, you know, I needed a job if I if I got binned off. So I carried on playing. And also I think it really helped me with um, my mentality and my, my mental health, if you like, because it's so stressful being a manager. It's a joke. It, your mind is full of all sorts of, nonsense all the time and when you're at home with the kids you're not really at home with the kids you're you're thinking of who you're going to play right back on on the weekend and who you're playing and when we're watching them play and how we're going to play against them it's constant and non-stop and relentless and um and that bit of training that two hours that hour and a half of training on a on a morning was my time when I could just 
we planned it, we did it, and but that was me when I just had an hour of half to me and I just legged it round and and enjoyed the training more than anything as my release. So it was really important for me that I did carry on playing and and also the lads were great because they said you need you know you need to be playing you you mm-hmm. you add something to the team when you do play and so it made it made sense to just carry it on and continue it the way it was. It, I was just there was a line when off the pitch they had to had to toe the line and, and be respectful when I made decisions that they weren't playing, even if they were a mate or not. I think we all want to ask you about Curtis Obeng. Uh, <laughs> yes. What What on earth happened there? Why the hell couldn't we get him back from Swansea? Was it just not an option? Did, did we ask? Yeah. Yeah, we would. I, I, I knew that he was going to be so important, the way he was playing. And I think it, he really blossomed under me. And that's not being big-headed. It was just... Dino would hammer him at times and it, it was like, it's always me, it's always my fault and that. And I just felt that if he had every, you know, quick, he could get back, he'd help Kreitz, you know, and he got us out of a lot of uh, issues and problems when with his pace. And I just thought if we can get him and just make him, his quality a little bit better, he could really have, we could have a player on our hands. And so we, I just went for the, the old arm round his shoulder. You're doing great, mate. Keep it going. And I left him sort of alone a little bit. And if there was a mistake, I didn't really hammer him, didn't come for him. Just sort of left him go because he knew and the players knew. But, he, you know, you don't need to nail that down when, when he's a bit low. So, And he really did flourish. And there was times that he was unplayable. You know, he'd be in the opponent's box one second and then he'd be defending and helping Kreisler at the other end. And so, um, and he, he just, yeah, he flourished. And then, yeah, we played that FA Cup game, didn't we? And then they put in a, a a bid for him, and we were like, I knew that it would hamper us because I knew we wouldn't be able to get somebody in that was that that type, if you like, um, that suited the way that we played um, for the money that he he was on. And we we of course we asked the question, um, but they were just like, if he's coming, he's coming. No, and that was it. Um, we you could we could have Danny Alfie instead as part of the as part of the deal and I think he was looking he wanted to come back as well I think you know and, and just finish the season and I didn't see why what the point was that he couldn't but even that though you know he signs on a decent contract down at Swansea and, and comes back would he have been the same player anyway I don't I'm not too sure but um, he, he, he certainly yeah we just we just couldn't and it was a, a big hit to us and that, that final running, um, it, it hurt us a little bit. More so, Danny Wright getting injured, Kev Thornton getting injured for me was the, the two big issues for us that, that really hit us harder than, than anything. Mm. I mean, what about a Fowler leaving as well? I mean, you say that say that Obeng was a, was a great loss. Was it more of a loss than, than Fowler leaving at that time? Yeah, yeah, for me, um, Fowles was brilliant mm. and one of the best footballers that I've I've come across when focused and on it. And uh, he, unfortunately, when I took over, we had a few games and he was great and brilliant and then he got injured. And so then I ended up with Keatsy, Tolly and Jay Harris as a three. And it, it just we started winning games. And then mm. when he came back fit, he, he, he couldn't get back in because I didn't want to change it, you know. And and then that's when I think all the issues off the pitch started forming in his mind. And when he's not playing, he, he's he got tendency to over 
think a lot of things, and I know Glenn Little was a massive part of trying to get him to see sense and that we had a chance of getting out of the league if we just kept going and he'd get a chance back in the team. But he, uh, yeah, he was adamant that he wanted out. He, he gave an impression uh, when he was on the other week that, you know, if we'd have made more of an effort or if, if you, I suppose, had made more of an effort to keep hold of him, that he would have stayed. Do you think that's true? Did, is, is that the, the the impression you got or do you yeah. think he was just determined to leave? No, I th- he handed in a, a written transfer request. It was on a little piece of <laughs> like A5 paper, like scribbled around that I want to leave and stuff. And I, right, okay, well, is that is that what happens? I don't know. <laughs> but like, I know Glenn Little had got into him saying, "Listen, just leave it. Don't sleep on it." And he he Glenn went for a coffee, come back, and he'd gone, he'd left, and, and then he was in my office and and handing in his transfer request. I. I don't think so, but I have to say that I didn't have a clue about anything that was going on off the pitch. He didn't mm. let up about anything. He hadn't told any of the lads in the house that what, what was going on off the pitch with, you know, a bit of debt and stuff like that that comes out in your podcast, actually, that, you know, yeah. he was a bit struggling and he needed he needed money at the time and we didn't have it because we were owned by the fans by then and, and, and our budget wasn't, wasn't as good as it had been in, in the past. And also, you know, we were... Fleetwood were putting in bids for him that, that were very generous and we were doing all right without right. him in the team. And yeah. so it was like, well, what do we do? You know, And it's the same with Kurt. You know, the money that we got for Kurt was really needed at the time as well. So yeah. you can say as much as you want that we shouldn't have sold him. But when you're a fan's own club and you get an offer of you know, a couple of hundred grand for a player that maybe six, eight months before you wouldn't have got a couple of grand for, you. Well, I think we've got to take it. Do you know what I mean? Because it might not yeah. come along again, and and unfortunately, that's the way we weren't in the privileged position of a Fleetwood where we could just turn away problems. And yeah, I didn't want to sell him to Fleetwood. That was one hundred percent. I didn't want to sell Flowers to Fleetwood because I knew that they were the potential opposition that we could could beat us to the title. But um, nobody else had bid any money. So what do you do? Do you know what I mean? And mm. we we decided no, sod it. We'll take it and. And we'll deal with the consequences that come of it. And it, yeah, it proved an expensive take, I suppose. We, yeah. we say that though, but I mean, in, in any other season, 98 points gets you promoted, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and we, and listen, we were brilliant. We were brilliant, but at 98 points, I think it was Alfreton on Bank Holiday Monday, we got beat 1 0 uh, at home, and, and we were really poor. And, um, and I think, yeah, they, they won, and it just took that gap a little bit too far. And we had, yeah, we had had Danny Wright injured and um, and Kev Thornton, who were two two key players for us, and we just we just couldn't quite get back on their tails, if you like. And um, their squad was immense, you know. And they they had Jamie Vardy, who who kept just nicking points. Last ten minutes, he just kept seeing him just scoring and stuff. And yeah, I'd but we were spent, you know, ninety eight points. We got so close, and we were so hard done by that. Going into the, we were in the playoffs for about six weeks. Do you know what I mean? And we knew like four weeks that we're not catching Fleetwood, mm. but we've got to play in the four weeks. Yeah. And you know, it was just so long a time. And the lads were just mentally, they just we just couldn't get our heads around that we'd tried so hard and done so well for the season. And any normal season, we would have been flying. Yeah. That we just couldn't, we couldn't get that back for for three really important games. I remember and a they, sucker punch down. 
down in Forest Green as well. Was it? Um, oh, God, I remember when that you. Game. That was horrible. That was. I'd come on the train from university in Reading, and was it when Keats? Uh, you won us a penalty in the last play of the game. Yeah, it was a horrible it. day, and Keats bloody missed the pen. Sorry, Dean, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you well, take the bloody it. pen? Yeah, <laughs> why's why Dean taking it? Well, if it was late in the game, how I'm still on the pitch, I don't know. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I do that. I, I hadn't remembered that for. I, that's the first time that's come back into my mind. No, yeah. it's it, actually on mine, mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, mine yeah. too. I'm not going to sleep now. Um, <laughs> but it was just little things like that that we just didn't quite get over that line and you know it would have it was a, a travesty anyway that we didn't get out of the league on 98 points but yeah we, we were up against a real formidable force in Fleetwood time now for our mighty heroes where we pick the best Wrexham 11 of our lifetimes Tim just quickly read out the team so far Right, so Andy Marriott in goal. Good. Left back, Phil Hardy. Central defenders, Joseph Jones, Ryan Carey. Right right wing back, not yeah. right back, apparently, is Carlos Edwards, Strange. picked by Reese. Picked That's by all of us, nominated <laughs> by me. Thank You're you. You're trying to get him in. You're trying to get him in. At the middle three, we've got Darren the Mona Ferguson in the middle of the park. We've got Brian Yodler Hughes on the left, and we've got Gareth Owen on the right. So that takes us to the first of three strikers. I'm feeling massively under pressure now doing this with Andy Morell here, probably one of the best goal scorers over the last 20 years at Wrexham. But um, okay, uh, I th- how about I'll go first then? I'll go first. Because um, I'm usually sort of last, so it's should, only fair. Should, should, um, should it be mentioned to Andy that he's not selected in this this week because he wasn't a left-sided player? Are we picking him for next week? Is this like oh, a you, thing? Well, you, no, not, what, leave no. him in bloody suspense. We're not going to nominate you at all, Andy. You're not, no, you're not, in, the, you're not in the conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Matt Malongo the... all the way. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd have seen me play in those, I was only a scored. I didn't do it else. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was going to nominate Rob Ogilvy ahead of you. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, go on, Andy. Count me That's in. The okay. Three, two, one, go, Reese. Okay, so as the podcast's resident Jack, Swansea Jack, I'm nominating friend of the show, the one and only Lee Trundle. Uh, what a player. Signed from Rill, of course. Scored 27 goals in 94 appearances, but that only tells half of the story. Uh, Andy's been telling us about how key he was, contributing with countless assists in our last promotion season. Made an electric start. Uh, five goals in his first three starts, including that incredible hat-trick that Andy mentioned against Oxford United, which also won him a Versace suit. Um, listen to the Lee Trundle pod for that story but that first game a bicycle kick for your first ever club goal come on who else has done that who else can say they did that played a huge part in that 3-2 comeback against Walsall as well obviously Um, his name in the team sheet guaranteed bums on seats and his ludicrous talent and will to take defenders would get bums off it too a joy to watch as well just because he clearly loves playing football so my nomination for a left-sided striker is Lee Trundle is anyone going to pick him up on that? Uh, anyone in Liverpool need a match against an over-35 team? Because he puts <laughs> oh. that out, can travel, have a pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how much that fella loves playing football. Ozzy has said that he would have a game. His Vets team, hasn't he? Steve Thomas? All right. He's got a Vets team as well, so I think they oh. maybe, yeah, he said he's, he'll play him. 
fair play. I would actually pay to watch that match. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to get that filmed. Andy, you can go next then. You go next, right? So um, I'm going to count you in. Three, two, one, go. Okay, he's my favourite ever Repsom player. An unassuming giant with a jump like junior kickstart. A bully of fullbacks. A scorer of fuck me strikes. A scorer of 88 Repsom goals since he was signed from Napoli. Yeah, that's right, Napoli. Liverpool Sunday League team, <laughs> Napoli. He made it, the fact that he made the transition from that to be a club legend is a fairy tale, but Cal Conley wouldn't believe the hype. He was one of the old breed, no academy sort of trappings for him, no BMW and fat contract at 17. He came into the game late and was just happy to be there, and we were happy to have him. In fact, Brian Flynn's whole game plan was based around him, jumping to the, on, you know, on the full back, you know, setting up so many attacks. He was a good dribbler and he was, knew, knew where the net was, but more than a front man, he was a focal point. He was grateful for everything that football gave him. I used to go and watch him with Kevin Druids just to watch him play. That's how much I rated him. King Carl would have deserved the adulation, but he wouldn't have believed that. Time. He wouldn't have believed the adulation and that's why we should give it to him. Okay. Loved King Carl Conley. That's the case for King Carl. Who wants to go next, Tim? Go on then. Three, two, one, go. Right, curveball alert. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, Wrexham would stumble across a rough diamond that they would polish up and help become a jewel in the crown of others. Matt Derbyshire was one of those. At five foot ten inches and of slender frame, Derbyshire arrived on loan for Blackburn Rovers, looking like a cub reporter for the evening leader. However, he plundered 10 goals in just 16 appearances for the Reds in the final three months of the 2005-06 season. Five of them came in his first four games for us and he scored a brace on no less than four occasions. He was a true teenage fox in the box with Dennis Smith's team. Blackburn took no and he finished his first Premier League season with nine goals. He earned a £3 million move to Olympiacos for the likes of Birmingham City, Knott's Forest and Rotherham came calling for him. But it's where he went to Cypriot Club Ammonia where he hit 64 goals in 117 games. Ammonia? 24 of those came in 33 appearances in one season, putting him as one of the top Englishmen in the 2016-17 European Golden Shoe rankings alongside Harry Kane and Deli Alley. Basically, the stint at Wrexham may have been brief, but he was undi- undeniably deadly in front of goal. He played okay. for Ammonia? Periodic table of yeah. football. All right, Liam, you're up last. Okay, 60 seconds. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so I've just managed to finish up my script just in time. So the player I've chosen this week is Danny Wright. Now, on this podcast, people have been frowned against picking players from the non-league era. I truly believe that Danny is a player worthy of inclusion in our squad. He's an absolute unit of a striker, which I think is the correct term in common parlance. When we first signed him, I didn't think he really looked like a footballer. He was all arms and elbows. But defenders must have hated playing against him. You look back at the two legs of the Brighton match in the FA Cup and he absolutely tore them apart, setting up Andy for that spectacular goal in the home leg. And the following season, he scored more goals than the 98-point season. He was our main man up front, and, and it hurt us as well when he got injured. You might turn your nose up at a striker who played for us in the non-league, but Danny Wright is well worthy in my opinion. Oh, and he's coming in 15 seconds under time. Nicely done. Oh. Um, <laughs> I saw you right. furiously typing away in your script, but you shouldn't mention Danny Wright's elbow. That's a sore point, but um, yeah, Andy, come on. What's your view? Who's who's winning this? Well, who chooses? Because one, I don't want to have the conversation that Trunz is playing on the left because he won't be happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> He's not doing that job. No way. <laughs> okay, fine. get him down the middle. But um, I just, no, oh. I don't know how yeah. you're picking that 
there's no way that you're picking that because I think <laughs> Truns is unbelievable. But Carl Connolly was a joke. He had what ability he had. He was a great help for me when I first signed. You know, really down-to-earth type of guy and just didn't really know how good he was. Yeah, um, that's what I got from him. Um, you know, just knew that he was on to a, like won the lottery every day coming in and, and playing professional football. And then he got a great move, didn't he, down there into QPR as well. Um, and scored some really good goals and just had that, that knack of being creating and, and being around it. And and Danny Wright as well, he was ace for me as a as a manager. You know, he was he was great. He won us some games on his own, was single handedly and and scored some really important goals for us. I didn't come across Matt Derbyshire at all, but I know that he scored some goals in his career and played against him a couple of times. But um that's a four you've got a our job picking one out of that <laughs> just playing there because that could be your front yeah. three couldn't it you could play yeah, down have. the middle yeah. Carl on the left and Danny Wright down the other side and you've got a, you could. a right handful of a three do you know what I mean Matt Darbyshire actually reminded me a bit of you just just a, just a nose for goal didn't he good looking he was just yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> beautiful beautiful one. hairline yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the stitches there from the Cambridge away game eight stitches in um Oh yeah, it's, this is difficult. All right, let's that, simplify it. Matt Derbyshire was a great cameo, but to get him in the best ever reps and front three, I think he's taking the... It, it's probably not right. Michael. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think it's... Pro- I say it's probably between Connolly and Truns. Now, I would yeah. say Connolly is an iconic Wrexham player who played... 350 times, scored a lot of goals, but also was very, very key to how we played. So you can remember we took a we took like a, a kickoff, passed it to the fullback. The fullback would launch it to Connolly. Connolly would win the header and it would all begin from there. So it wasn't mm-hmm. just the goals. It's what he brought to the team otherwise. And so yeah. that's why I would go with Carl. I'd also say about Carl is I met him in Weatherspoons after the FA Trophy final. I've never told this story before, but what a great fella. I came up to him. I, I more or less hugged him. Like, he couldn't understand why. I've already mentioned this. Yeah, I know. But he couldn't understand why why I cared about him. So I, it's, Carl, it's Carl fucking Connolly. On the cheek. <laughs> that was after. That's when he was running. Um, okay. Um... Yeah, I, uh, that, yeah, Danny Wright, great player, big fan. Wish we had him, but yeah, it's between Carl and Trundle. Also, I'm going to say, I'm going to throw out there. There's no rules that say we can't re-nominate a player later on. So we've got three weeks to do our strikers. So I'm going to, I'm going to nominate Lee Trundle every time. Don't pick it today. So <laughs> I, I've got to say, it'd be hard for me not to not to get Lee Trundle into this front three because remember watching. I think Andy mentioned it earlier that hat trick against Oxford. It was just. Games like sex. that. It was pure sex, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was, wasn't just the two lobs he had in that game were sensational. <laughs> well, I had, I had the third lob. He got a lob on. So, you know. <laughs> but the yeah, but his other goal, it was like somebody had a shot, and it was like I'm going at 150 mile an hour, and he's chested the thing, and it's just dropped straight by his foot, and he's tapped the thing in. I'm like, that would have knocked me into the row G if it, <laughs> if I'd done it, and he just went boom. No problem, like that. And I'm, that was the best one of the lot for me. Yeah. He is a quality player. Was he... Was is he a joke in training? Yeah. Yeah, he was tricks and the lot and he'd try all sorts of things. And if he wasn't... If he hadn't had the ball for, like, two seconds, he was, like, 
play me, involve me. You know, what are you doing? Why aren't you playing to me? And all this. And it's like, well, we, you've had it for about an hour of the hour and five minutes. We've had training. Is it all right if yeah. we have a go? Sort of thing. But uh, yeah, he was always tricks, tried tricks and stuff like that. And that's why we had such a relationship because he had that, he had that little move that he did that he took onto his right, little Cruyff turn, had back onto his left foot. And when he stood the defender up, I'm just stood in the middle of the goal. I'm going, well, I'm just going to take two paces back here because he's going to do that move. He's going to go onto his left foot. He's going to dink it back post. And I'm just going to edit in from the back <laughs> post. And it just happened so many times. It was just ridiculous. Oh, it's tough <laughs> to choose. This I, have is to, really I have to say, I, you know, I love Trons to bits, but Carl Connolly yeah. was iconic for Wrexham. Johnny, yeah, he, was, he yeah. was. Give us his stats again, Andy. So it's about, I think it was 348 games and 88 goals. And it's not just the goals. It's you sound like Dean Saunders. But he, yeah, he, had, he had 168 attacking throw-ins. <laughs> I mean, yeah. his, his kickoffs led to 17 goals. He was just, he was, but the thing is like, he was so integral to how Wrexham played in a high league. I think you have to go for Conley. I really do. I never saw Carl Conley lose a header in the air. And no, I, I never did either. I can't remember Trundle having many headers. Um, however... We didn't like yeah. doing it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I love Connolly. instead. And like, <laughs> will give me many good memories, FA Cups, especially down in Chester, live on uh, Sky Sports with that volley and a tap in. It's just, yeah. Mm. I mean, like you said, unassuming guy, treated like, like he'd won the lottery, like, like Andy said. Um, Leapt like a salmon. I've never seen, you know, people say, you know, quoting an old film, White Men Can't Jump. He could jump seriously. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, as much right. as I love Truns, Connolly edges it. Okay, are we? I think we're going with, with King Carl. Is that yeah. fair? That seems like the consensus. Yeah. Okay. I think so, Carl, yeah. Carl Connolly, welcome to Our Mighty Heroes. Time now for a sneak preview of part two of the Andy Morell interview due to be released on next week's Fearless in Devotion episode in which he reveals his seemingly good-natured departure from the club was anything but. After the meeting, I went into the back office and I just thought I'd, I'd been a little bit hung out to dry a little bit and and I think maybe that was part of it. They wanted me to make it. They didn't want to be seen to be sacking a manager who had gotten to Wembley, etc. and got 98 points and all that. So I don't know if there was a bit of that in it as well. Like they deliberately undermined you. Yeah, to, and then it's my and but you know he decided to go. Do you know what I mean? And if you see the, a few of the interviews, you know he's made the decision to, to leave and all that. And it, yeah, I did, but I didn't really have a choice in my opinion. Okay, prediction time quickly for the end of the pod. Andy scores on the doors. Fuck me, you have to ask, don't you? <laughs> so, all right, Reese Williams went Wrexham three, Yeovil nil. He's now got a million points. Did I get Rex with three over now? Yes. You did. <laughs> I don't act surprised. I didn't even realise. Oh, did, did I? Oh. I thought I said 3-1. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, no, I said 3-1. I, I, no, or maybe you did say 3-1 and I said 3-0. <laughs> no, no, no. You got it. Brilliant. So, yes. So, another five points for, for Reese, who's now got an unassailable 23 points. Um, Jesus. Yeah, so uh, the only good news is Liam Randall is bringing up the rear because he went for a one-all draw. He did not know how abject Yeovil would be. So he is still marooned on four points. Tim Edwards, guess right, win 2-1. 
I guess right, 3-1 was absolutely praying for a <laughs> noble consolation in the last few minutes, but they were so piss poor that was never going to happen. So, right, Reese, you're on 23 points. Um, Liam, Brilliant. you are Dover on four points. And <laughs> me and Tim have got six points. But, you know, you get you get the next one, Bob on, Liam, and you're back in the game. You're not yeah. buying that Chester shirt. Right, so next up, we have Boreham Wood away from home on their whatever the hell their pitch is. What is it made out of, like, plastic human skin? <laughs> Alsatian hair. Yeah. <laughs> Pandas. <laughs> Reese, what do you reckon? We're looking good. Obviously, it's away from home now. <sighs> It's one of those ones where, similar to Maidenhead, I don't think it's necessarily a disaster if we draw. Mm. I know we should be beating Boreham Wood, but I'm going to... No, I think we looked we looked really good. We looked solid defensively. Maidenhead was two freak goals. So, and a, well, one freak goal and a mistake. So I'm, I still think we look pretty solid. I'm going to say we're going to sneak a 1-0 victory. Wow. Okay, well, everyone put your money on a 1-0 victory for Wrexham then. <laughs> Tim, what do you reckon? Well, just looking at our form going against them, the last three um, away victories down there have all ended up 1-0, believe it or not. Uh, no, we've sorry. won but, three oh, times away from that, That's a lie. Basically, out of the times we played them, we've won eight wins, drawn once and lost one. However, um, I was looking at the first three times we played them, that ended in 1-0. One, one that Wrexham away win three times. I'm going to go for a cheeky 2 0 to Wrexham just because, because why not? Well, I think we'll do it. It'll be fine. 2 0, get on it. Right. Liam, you need a big scoreline here. What, what are you going for? A big scoreline, as in we're going to batter them or? Well, no, they could batter us. Um, uh, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to... You need to be right, Liam. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they've just come off the back of battering Kings Lynn, but that's not really saying much, is it? Um, I think I'm going to go for a 2-1 win to Wrexham. Okay. And pray to God that I don't have to wear a Chester shirt. Fair enough. <laughs> right. I'm a bit torn here because I do actually think it's going to be a draw. Um, okay. Because... Oh, but there's safety in numbers, aren't there? It's getting yeah, tactical now. No, totally... You could you gotta go with your guts, you, know? you gotta go with your guts. I'm gonna go for a three one win to Wrexham. <laughs> just that was a bottle want... job. You're just basically just gonna predict whatever Liam predicts now, aren't I'm you? Just, just so gonna, he stays below you. I'm just gonna fuck Liam over, to be honest. <laughs> and the good thing is, because I introduced this section, I am always gonna be last. <laughs> Have we There's actually no decided on the forfeit? I, I'm not fucking sold on this Chestershire idea, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I well, it's what the listeners want. Mm. Listener well, engagement is key. Ones, isn't it? There's only been one suggestion out of about six. No, no, three, there was three, three. three suggestions. There were three, and they were all, all basically wear a Chester shirt in some guys. All around. from Chester fans, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Fucking, I'd rather yeah. get a Chester tattoo than get it removed. All right, oh, next true. time, I'll go first, and then yeah. that removes any of this sort of shithousing that I am uh, currently doing. Yeah, it will alternate it. Okay, I, I take good. back what I've just said about a tattoo. There's no fucking way I'm getting that. I was going to say, you're going to regret <laughs> saying that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you very much for listening and downloading. Uh, as ever, remember you can get in touch with us on fearlessindevotion at gmail.com or contact us on the Fearless in Devotion Twitter page. Um, we'll be back next week with uh, another guest. Uh, but until then, uh, thanks for listening and goodbye. See you later. See you.